So I was thinking I maybe needed to reintroduce myself again this morning. But here's the other thing that I think is even more cool than that. For seven years, this church had one voice from the front. We had one voice. You were stuck with me for seven and a half years. We now have three voices from the front. And I think one of the coolest things that God is doing is giving us the opportunity to hear from three different men who understand and have a love and appreciation for God and His Word. So Pastor Rich and Jeff, thank you for what you have done this summer in helping us as a church to grow. All right, so this series is all about getting back to God's normal for the church. The world has defined normal in a very, very non-biblical way, and we just have to accept that. One of the things that happens as Christians is we get caught up in the world's version of what it says the world should be, and we don't understand clearly enough what is normal in God's world. So today we're going to talk about a part of being a Christian that isn't comfortable for everybody. In fact, it's not comfortable for most of us. And what God is really looking for us to do is for each one of us to say, I'll go. But how many of you are honestly excited about being the one that says, I'll go. Free trip to somewhere maybe. As a missionary, not so much. And a silence overtook the room. But if we're going to be a church that's going to be biblical, we've got to be a sending church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If we as a church are going to lead our culture back to God's normal, we've got to understand what that means. We know that most of the world that we're living in is not living according to God's normal. And we also know once we leave here, we are pressured to give in to that not normal world that surrounds us. And unfortunately, what's happening is that that Christians, church people, pastors, churches, denominations, they're giving in to the pressure that the world and, and groups in the world are putting on the church and we're giving up God's normal for this new version of the world's normal. The problem is it just means we're straying further and further from the truth We also know that if we give in to that pressure, one of the things that's really clear around here is if we give in to that pressure, if we don't continue to stand on the truth of God's Word, God's going to do two things in real short order. Number one, God's going to remove His name from this place because He's not going to want to have anything to do with a church that doesn't stand on His Word. The second thing is God is not going to bless us with the presence of His Holy Spirit. Because His Holy Spirit isn't going to be involved with a place that doesn't stand on God's Word. And so the alternative and what we've chosen from the very beginning is to love people, to strive to be godly, to be God-honoring and live and lead the culture around us in a way that is consistent with God's version of normal. So part of being normal in God's way is to be a church and to be people who are sending folks out into the world. We're blessed that today we get to pray for a group of young women who are going off to Haiti because they have had God work on their hearts and they want to go and make a difference for a few days to the people of Haiti and bring the good news of Jesus. But what does it mean for the rest of us to be ascending church? What does it mean to be people who say, I'll go? It's a good question. Let's take a look at it. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts 13, please. We're going to start in the first verse. Understand now, this church that we're looking at here, Jeff talked about it last week, is a hugely significant church in terms of what is happening in the early Christian church. What they're doing is something we want to pay close attention to. And one of the things that struck me about this text 
is that right off the bat, God is using unlikely and unexpected people to accomplish great things in His kingdom. I'm going to help you understand a little bit more about that right off the bat. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. goes on and lists some of them. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Just sounds like a bunch of names that we wouldn't use much anymore, right? But let me tell you a little bit about who these guys were. Barnabas from Cyprus. If you looked at the day and you looked at the people who were from Cyprus, he was probably someone who didn't resemble a Scandinavian. Simeon, who was called Niger for the region in Africa that he came from. That, that name, that, that additional name in the original language referred to the color of his skin. Certainly not a person of Northern European background. Lucius of Cyrene, you know where that is? It's in Libya of North Africa. Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, what in the world is a guy who would seem to have everything in the world to be at odds with the Christian church doing in this group of men? And then Saul, who Jeff talked at length about in Acts 21, we find out that Saul is mistaken because of his appearance for an Egyptian. Do you have a mental picture of this group of guys now? I hope so. See, we get in all kinds of trouble in our world identifying people because of the color of their skin, but God doesn't care about the color of our skin. God cares about the condition of our heart. And when we look at this group of men that are, that are about to be set aside and to go out into mission, God chose them for very, very specific reasons. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The guy from Cyprus and the guy who was mistaken for an Egyptian. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Important part of that is being sent off by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that the church had a good idea. It was that God had called them to do something specific, to go on a mission trip. So what do we take from that besides the fact that God uses unlikely people put a pin in that, my daughter would say. What's the chance that you're one of the unlikely people that God would want to use? You can come up with a lot of reasons why you don't have to say, I'll go. But really, God's saying, all you need is one. I just need you to understand one reason that I might be able to use you to reach someone in my name. And then we are at the point where we need to decide if we'll say, I'll go. It's a local church just like us that sends out these missionaries. It's not a seminary. It's not a, a mission club. It's not even an organization. It's the local church working together who bring with them on this trip that they're going, sent by the Holy Spirit, the eternal life-giving gift of the good news of Jesus to share with people on their way. Do we have to go across the world to do that? i got news for you. You can do that by walking across the street. I know who people who live within 100 feet of my house who don't have a church home. I know that on Sunday morning it is not a part of their routine to worship God because they understand who God is and that God is all in all. So here's the deal. You and I, we're right smack in the middle of this passage if we allow ourselves to be. Later today, we're going to invite people to come forward at the 1030 service. If you want to be a part of this, come on back. To live out exactly what's being talked about in this passage.
We're going to gather around these missionaries. And we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, are going to pray for them and send them off to time in Haiti. And Haiti right now is not a country that's entirely stable. But it's a country that needs to be loved on by the rest of the world. So we're going to lay hands on them and we're going to support them. And we're doing that in a lot of ways. We invite you to support them as well. And with that, we're going to send them out. And what they're going to do is they're going to bring the good news of Jesus to people, some who have heard, all of whom need to. Why? Because they said, I will go. So after those first missionaries had been back a while, there's a a chunk of time that happens in chapter 13. Go to chapter 14, verse 24. What they do, they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, coming back home, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they were home. They got everybody together and said, let's talk about it. They declared all that God had done with them. And now he had, do you get this, opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. They stuck around. They shared with them what they did and the experiences that they had. My guess is that a lot of what they talked about was the incredible privilege that it was to be sent out to bring the good news of Jesus to people who hadn't heard it yet. I had a mentor. He called that the privilege of ministry. And he said the privilege of ministry usually happens in its greatest way when you don't want to go do something. When you don't want to say, I will, but you are obedient and you do, you are welcomed into the privilege of ministry in a way that we don't see otherwise. I love that phrase in there, all that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. God used ordinary men who were willing to go and He did a most extraordinary thing with them. They had the privilege of being present as God opened the door of faith to a non-believing people. One of the things that we knew when we started this church almost eight years ago was that we wanted to reach people that thought church wasn't for them. We wanted to reach people who either had given up or who had felt run out or decided the church was irrelevant or the Bible didn't have anything to do with their lives. We have had a heart for eight years to reach those people. Why? Because we think they're a group that needs to be targeted? Nope. Because what we experienced was that an awful lot of church wasn't set up to be friendly to those folks. And so we said, we will. We'll be a little bit different. We'll, we'll love on those people. We'll try to reach them. And, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you find yourself in that group. The church hurt you. The church spit you out. The church told you that you didn't matter or that you didn't have a place. One of the things I love that we hear from Pastor Rich all the time is the open door has a place for you because the kingdom of God has a place for you because we know that Jesus died for you. And so we are willing to say we will even when it isn't easy. See, when you're willing to be a missionary, even if that just simply means sharing a small piece of your faith, a little bit of what you learned in a message, a line from a song that spoke to you on a Sunday morning, God can use that to open a door in someone's life that can not only change their life here and now, it can literally change their eternity forever. Being a missionary is a privilege whether it's in another culture with a different people group 
or whether, whether it's with your neighbor across the street or someone in your family who doesn't believe in Jesus. It's a privilege. Because when we say, I will, I will let you use me, God. I will tell people about who you are. I will let somebody know what it is that you've done to me. When we're willing to do that, we have the opportunity to use our experience of God, the truth of who God is to us, in a way that can open doors we would have never imagined. Because it's the Holy Spirit that goes ahead of us. It's the Holy Spirit that actually prepares someone to hear whatever it is the Holy Spirit prompts us to say. And that's a privilege, and it's exciting. Sometimes people ask, well, why, would it, why do churches send missionaries? One of the things that we know we've been about for years is not just sending missionaries, but training missionaries and welcoming missionaries home from overseas. We, we send missionaries because Jesus told us to. It's called the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We go to the people of the world with the good news of Jesus, not in the hopes that they are going to come back and make our church bigger. We go to the people of our area with the good news of Jesus, not with the expectation that they're going to jump on board and make our church bigger. We just put all kinds of fun and time and effort into VBS, not to grow our church, but because Jesus came to us first. Jesus came to us and made Himself real to us. And now He invites us into the ministry of going to the world. Today is a great day. We, we're, we're sending some disciples out into the world. Six ladies that have it on their heart to go love on the people in Haiti. To bring the good news of Jesus to another country. It's a big day around here because at noon we're going to gather down on our beach and we're going to be a part of celebrating with a group of people who are stepping out in obedience to Jesus' command. They're going to put themselves into the water in obedience to be baptized as believers in Jesus right here in this place. How about right now? Every day that we gather, we're teaching and we're learning and we're growing as disciples just like Jesus commanded us to do. And what is it that we want you to understand? We want you to understand God's normal. To learn what that means and how it is that we can obey. We're getting back to God's normal and we're simply doing it by obeying God's commands and we can't do that if we don't understand them. Not because we want to be a big church. Not once in eight years of Sundays have you heard from the front that the goal is to be a big church. What you have heard for eight years of Sundays and what has gone through every thread of ministry this place has ever been about is that we want to be a biblically faithful, God-honoring church. And there's a huge difference, because it's easy to grow big churches. <clears throat> I think of them as mushrooms. They grow up fast, and they don't necessarily last long. God's called us to be a faithful church, filled with people who are passionately pursuing Jesus. <coughs> we use that line in a lot of our, our print material. Because really, what do we want you to walk away from here on a Sunday morning with? A real relationship with Jesus. And the things that happen here, we hope you leave this place and you passionately pursue Him with everything that you are. Jeff talked about zeal, and it's easy to have zeal for a lot of things. It's easy to have excitement and enthusiasm. You know, the Vikings are coming into another fall, and oh, this might be the year! Probably not. 
but it's easy to have zeal. What about for Jesus? If you take stock of who Jesus really is and what He's really done for you, tell me what more in this world is there to be more excited about than that? That's why we say we want you to passionately pursue Jesus. This idea of learning and growing, it's why we're putting a lot of energy. You're hearing a lot of talk about us launching Alpha in September. Alpha is really a way of learning who Jesus is and what the Christian faith is really all about. It's why we're in the process of, of preparing to launch mid-sized groups where we can gather outside of Sunday mornings and we can grow as disciples, grow together with other people so that we can be prepared to go in faith together. Pastor Rich is here to put an exclamation point on the need that the Christian church has to care for people. It isn't enough that people come to church on a Sunday morning and you can figure out your life the rest of the week. We have a responsibility, biblically, to care for you. We take that so seriously that we have an entire position dedicated. And Pastor Rich is our man. He's the one that God brought to us to put the exclamation point on our belief that caring for people is a foundational belief and responsibility that we have. Why? So that we can send you and I into the world prepared to go. So that when your call comes and you are able to say, I will, God, I'm ready. I know Jesus in a personal way and I'm willing to talk to my neighbor about Him. I'm willing to talk to the lady at work. I'm willing to talk to the person at the coffee shop. All of that is in an effort to prepare you to go to bring God's normal out into a world that is quite frankly broken. It says in Acts 13.26, To us has been sent the message of this salvation. All that God asks of us is to share that message. So why go? What's the point and the purpose of you and I thinking or acting or behaving or going like a missionary? The purpose of mission, Christian mission specifically, is all about Jesus. We don't go on missions just to learn about other cultures or to dig wells or to build houses or to repair places after disasters. Not for the sake of any of those things on their own. Anybody can do that, and it's a good thing. It's a worthy cause, but something's missing. We go on missions in the name of Jesus, not because we're good people but because Jesus first came for us. For the sake of the Gospel of Jesus and to, to do those things, we proclaim Jesus as we accomplish them. See, the good news of Jesus and His death and resurrection for our salvation is the point and the purpose. Then what we need to understand is our responsibility. That God has made every one of us a missionary right where we are. You have your own unique mission in your life, right where you are, just as who you are. You are ready right now to walk out that door and tell someone about Jesus. I know that because you're hearing about Him this morning. Maybe all that you know is to repeat something that you hear. But God has prepared you to share who He is with someone. Now the deal is you might decline the invitation. You might decline the invitation to the mission field and say, nope, not me, I will not go. You have that opportunity. A lot of people have done that. 
But you've been uniquely created and called and placed by, a, placed by God as a missionary in your home, in your workplace, your circle of friends, the softball field, the high school gym, out in the boat fishing, wherever else you are. When you give your life to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you accept from Him the free gift of salvation, you become a new person, a new creation. And part of that new creation has the opportunity to be excited about telling other people about who He is. So i got news for you. You're already a missionary. <clears throat> Let me tell you how. If you find a restaurant that you love, you tell people, don't you? You go to a bar on a Friday night and they've got a new beer on tap. You go tell your buddies, you've got to go and try it. It's incredible. You're a missionary for that beer. You're a missionary for the restaurant. New grocery store comes to town, prices are a little bit lower, produce is a little bit better. You become a missionary for that grocery store. You can chuckle now because we all do it, don't we? We're about a month and a half away from a whole bunch of men becoming missionaries for the Minnesota Vikings. Guys, I'm sorry. But we do it. We become missionaries for the things that we believe in. We tell people the good news of what we've experienced and how something made our day better or made our dinner better or made our life better. And we tell people about it and we become an unpaid missionary for it. And yet when God asks us to tell the world about Him, suddenly we'd be quiet and we say, I could never do it. Baloney, you do it all the time. We're all missionaries. And when I say you've got a mission field, think about who it is that you talk to about the new beer or the restaurant or whatever it is, the new store or the new whatever. There's your mission field. You know it because they're the people you go to. You don't have to say, where is my mission field? You just have to realize there is my mission field. And then you've got to be willing to say, I will. When we tell people about the things that are important to us, we become a missionary because we want them to experience the good and the happiness and whatever it is that we think happens when we find something new. But why are we so slow to do that about a relationship with Jesus? You and I, we're already missionaries. It's just a matter of whether we accept the call. And there's a part of why is this so important? Why is it such a big deal? Why, why does my church care whether I'm a missionary? Why do I have to tell anybody? There's a very simple truth that runs through the entirety of Scripture and has been evidenced through the entirety of human history. And that is that there is a war between good and evil that is being waged, between God the Creator and one of His created beings, the devil. See, the devil's already lost the war. He knows that. God made it clear that the war was over the moment a risen Jesus walked out of the grave. The devil had done his best with Jesus dying on the cross, but God said, no, that's not the end. The battle may have been won by you, but the war isn't over. And God won the war the moment Jesus walked out of the grave. But Satan continues to fight the battles, and now the battlefield is no longer against God directly. Now the, the battle is you and I. We become the battleground. And every time that Satan can steal a human soul... He knows that it is not going to help him win the war because the war has been lost. But he knows that he can chip away a little bit at a time at the heart of God, one lost soul at a time. But see, Satan has already been defeated. We know that. Unfortunately, so much of the world hasn't heard that message. All that they know is defeat and sadness and evil and desperation. 
See, Satan is a liar and he's a deceiver. And he brings with him only death and division. That is all. It's in Jesus that we find life to its fullest. We find purpose and we find reason for being. You don't find rest and peace and life everlasting in the things of this world. Oh, we chase it. We try. We look for it. We try to find rest and peace and and comfort in all kinds of things, most of which are really not good for us at all. But we never find it really anywhere other than in Jesus because that's what Jesus came to bring. When we proclaim Jesus, we're joining 2,000 years of believers and carrying the good news around the world. But here's the deal. Don't, Don't start with your focus of the world. Start right here at home. Start with your family. Start with your neighbors. Start with the people that you work with. Yes, as a church that is going to be biblical, we're going to send people on missions around the world. We have had that as a part of who we are from day one. But you know, equally importantly, is that you realize that you're being sent by God as well. And your mission field is across the street. Your mission field is in your workplace. Your mission field is at school. Your mission field is as close as your willingness to say, God, I will go. And it begins with Jesus becoming so real to you that you can't help but tell people about Him. Let's pray. God, thank You for what You have done for us in Jesus that we cannot do for ourselves. Thank You, God, that there's so little that You ask of us in return. You just want our love. You want our devotion. You want us to simply listen to the things that You ask of us and to do them. It isn't so much when we consider what it is that You offer in return. God, my prayer would be that Your Holy Spirit would fill us, each and every one of us, fill anyone who comes through this place. God, that Your Holy Spirit would fill us with a knowledge and an understanding and an appreciation of what Jesus has done for us. So much so that we can't help but say, I will. We can't help but tell people about who You are and what You have done for us through Your Son. God, when You put it on our hearts, the opportunity to tell someone about You, God, help us to say, I will. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last thought as you go away today. One of the things that really motivates me is that I realize in my life I might be the only person that God puts in front of somebody for a very long time. It's why I take what we do on Sunday morning so seriously, the preaching and every part of our service. It might be the only chance that someone gets to understand who God really is. What I don't want to do is get to heaven and see that that person that I didn't feel like going and talking to, not meeting me there. It's a motivator for me. Makes me say I will even when I feel like I would rather not. Remember that you are a missionary right where you live, in your home, in your workplace, wherever it is that you go. And all God is asking of you is to tell the truth of who He is to you. Thank you for coming this week. Hope you have a great week. Remember to pray for our missionaries going to Haiti. Hope to see you again next Sunday. Thank you.